Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to the Curzon Film Podcast. This week we're talking music scales and gnarly bales as we drop in on Jonah Hill's mid-90s and put a spotlight on country musical Wild Rose. Plus, we speak to BAFTA Rising Star nominee, Jesse Buckley. I'm Jake Cunningham, and sat on the edge of the podpipe with me this week, ready to grind out this week's new releases. We have Caitlin Quinlan. Hello. Ella Kemp. Hello. And, and giving me a look that suggests she'll do a 180 out the studio door, it's Kelly Powell. Hello. How are you doing? Good, thank you. Well. Yeah? Excellent Good. intro. Oh, thank you. Thank you. It's nice to actually have that verb. Yeah. I, I mean, I assume you're all thinking it whenever I do it, but it's just nice to have that confirmed. Um, okay. Uh, this week, as I said, we're, we're going to be talking to Jesse Buckley, which we're very excited about, um, but we're going to start with mid-90s, uh, and this is the first film directed by Jonah Hill. Uh, Kelly, do you want to tell us a little bit about this one? Yeah, yeah. So, as you said, it's Jonah Hill's directorial debut. And the film follows 11-year-old Stevie, uh, played by Sonny Solchik, who is amazing in this film, um, as he comes of age in L.A. Um, It's ultimately a film about growing up, wanting to find connection and acceptance. uh, And it's told from this 11-year-old's sort of point of view. And it's great. And it's also about skateboarding. And it's oh yeah, sorry, <laughs> the crew that he falls in yeah. with is a skateboarding crew. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. So we're in very much the realm of uh, like ninety sk- skateboarding or skateboarding skateboarding boom. We're in at the moment with mm-hmm. Skate Kitchen and yeah. finding the gap mm. in this. Um, it's a good time for those people who wanted to skate who weren't cool enough <laughs> and can now vicariously live through the people that were actually. Um, so I think what would be a really interesting place to start with this film, because uh, I, I always find it fascinating when actors go out and make their own ones, um, is figuring out who this, who the voice of Jonah Hill is as a filmmaker. Um, recently, or I say recently, it's five, six years ago now, uh, Ryan Gosling made a film called Lost River, and it felt like very much he, he had a magpied directorial voice. You could see him lifting from Nicholas Winding Refn and David Lynch and people he either admired or had worked with, and it didn't feel like maybe at the end of that film we knew who Ryan Gosling, the director, was. Um, so I'd be curious to ask you folks, who do we think Jonah Hill, the director, is? Oh, that's a big question. I think it's difficult to say, obviously, because it's his first one. But I, I do think that I would say that 
he he definitely wants to be a filmmaker. You can, <laughs> you can that's what he wants to do. You know, he he says he said it multiple times in many interviews that his, writing and directing is what he wanted to do from the start, and he kind of fell into acting. If we should all be so lucky, um, <laughs> and uh, and I feel like you can tell that he's a cinephile and that he he is you know a, a great lover and student of of film. But I do think that this film has a, a very personal uh, voice attached to it. I don't think that he's doing things just to be cool or to fit in with the hipster crowd. I think that he had a very uh, solid vision uh, and something to say. And I think that he he did he did it really well. Yeah. Yeah. All right, what about E.C.? I'm less convinced, <laughs> only because I think there are elements of mid-90s, especially the very comedic parts that, that I do think ring true to this Jonah Hill voice that we've maybe come to know from Superbad and his more comedic stuff. And um, a lot of the, the, yeah, the tone of the comedy is is, is Jonah Hill-esque. Um, but in terms of as a director, I don't know if I... I don't know if I can see just yet what his directorial voice is. I think in a couple of films' time, maybe, um, he'll kind of flourish and blossom into into a more sort of independent filmmaker. And I say independent in terms of, you know, not just doing maybe what Ryan Gosling did and lifting um, from other filmmakers that he admires. I think it's hard when you're doing a coming-of-age story because it's kind of like the oldest story in the book and um, there's very little, I think, that can really be changed with that kind of mold. Um, I think some people have done it really well, but uh, yeah, for me, it's not particularly revolutionary the way no, he's made, I, the way he's made this film. I don't think and this I don't is think a that's a bad thing. Film. Yeah, mm. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I think it's a really enjoyable film, and I I did yeah take a lot from it. I was moved by it, but in terms of it being a kind of real, you know, there's an authority in his voice and um, an authenticity to what he's doing. I'm not as convinced just I, I yet. Think, and I think that's absolutely fine because this is this is a relatively small story and uh, I don't think he is coming in with this big like auteur no, identity. No, no, of course, He's yeah. giving this uh, a small personal story is directed with a relatively small personal touch. Mm, yeah, absolutely. And I, I agree that you can't really see like hints of how Jonah Hill has evolved from actor to artist behind the camera now. But I think that comes from the fact that this is a really visceral, rocky story which gives a voice to these kids who, like, they're nobodies. They're all nobodies, but they all want to be coolest somebodies and they'll jump and they'll fall and they'll, like, roll over until they're bruised and whatever. And, yeah, I, I find that really exciting. And I think also the fact that um, he always made sure to be extremely... Um, authentic and like fact check that people do skateboard in this way and talk in this way I think that really really matters and just think about other um, actors or performers who have turned behind the camera I think another um, artist who's done this in a similar way which I found to be very effective was uh, Bo Burnham directing his debut eighth grade uh, coming out in a couple of weeks and I think I mean very different films but that you know they're both coming of age stories and I think the quality that they both share is these now filmmakers are tapping into what they know, like the the stories and the places and the like the hobbies that shaped them. You know, for Bo Burnham yeah, yeah. it was the internet, and mm-hmm. for Jonah Hill it was a skate park. Yeah, mm. um, let's let's talk about that that hobby that is central to the film and and the people that perform in it because uh, there's a fantastic supporting cast of skateboarders and and non skateboarders. Um, who who are your particular highlights in this one, and what were their roles? Now, Kel Smith. Yeah. Wow, what a performance! Mm. Uh, yeah. He plays uh, Ray, the older one of the older teens in the crew. Um, 
wow, I just found his performance really moving and sincere. Uh, and he did. He definitely felt like a real person. They all mm. did, you know. They really all did. They had but none such of them a, were actors. None before. of them were actors. They were all non-actors. I think Sonny Solchek had been in Solchek had been in one before. Killing, so killing he's, yeah. he's got a handful of roles. Yeah. yeah. But in the way that they were all cast, Jonah Hill uh, insisted on going out and finding people who could skate yeah, first. Exactly. Yeah. And so he went. So th- he was shown Sonny Solchek's Instagram account by one of the producers on the film, and then they went to see him at his local skate park. Mm. Um, and saw him skate and then they went up to him and they were like oh man you're really cool and Sonny was like oh my god and then Jonah Hill was like can you act and Sonny Cedric was like oh I've been acting for six seven years and then, <laughs> and then he was like oh I was in Killing of a Sacred Deer and Yorgos Lanthimos is like really good friends with Jonah Hill so he's the one who apparently was in like oh, this yeah. kid yeah. Yeah. rules yeah. and he does yeah he does he does I think that like voice of authenticity that we were just talking about like, for me the the reason that the film feels authentic is the cast and it's and you know not to bash Joan Hill but I, I I like this film I don't think Joan Hill's you know done a terrible job I just think for me the real authenticity was was because of the cast and in in another sort of situation I wouldn't have felt as moved or affected by by the mm. storyline but yeah Sunny Soljic is incredible I want to protect that child at all yeah. costs well, uh, but to give it's, him credit um, yeah. like that like, I'm sure he set out to want to build a cast yeah, around like yeah. real people. people I'm sure he's got enough muscle within Hollywood if he wanted to cast he could the have hottest teens yeah, to yeah, make yeah. a skate gang I'm sure he could yeah. and um, also uh, to bring that kind of performance out of non-actors I think does take a lot of mm. directorial True. guidance yeah. which I think and goes as an actor a, himself exactly kind of knows experience. for yeah, them to connect exactly. with each other because for that crew to be convincing I think if it was just Sonny Soldier who was good um, and I think that's what could have been expected with his experience beforehand you could think oh he'll lead this and then the other kids will skate but like you're right like Nikhil Smith and the others as well I think they mm. all gel so well in a way that I don't know like I want to skateboard yeah. with them yeah. and, and so and just to just to sit on the point of the cast i think that so the other so other supporting actors who weren't you know uh non-actors lucas hedges plays oh uh dv's brother um i think that he was incredible in this mm-hmm. film honestly do like he is such a talent i believed I believed him completely and you felt every bit of rage and repression yeah i uh, kind of feel character. like Lucas Hedges has a tendency to be a bit doughy. Uh, <gasps> Jake. Like, what? Like, Not in um, this film. Exactly. In this film, That's why I mean. I like, this is like, yeah. yeah, this is where I've kind of felt like I was more oh, on board uh, with the Lucas Hedges train uh, I would, I would agree. than <laughs> I had been before. One might say I'm a hedge lord. Um, oh, God. But I mean, the fact that you're on board now is, is all that matters. Is <laughs> all that matters. I will say it is interesting how I think. Uh, Lucas Hedges' role as Ian in this film does tap into qualities that he's shown in other films, like in Boy Erased, in, in Manchester by the in Sea. In Manchester mm. by the Sea, he always I do really like him in that film. There you go. He mm. always plays like these really painfully angry boys, but mm. I think usually it manifests more in a way where he seems to be anxious and sad and like in pain. Whereas here, I think it's more rage and violence, which is so much more um, aggressive. And that's really exciting for him. Yeah. I and mean, sad. The, their, their brotherly relationship is really interesting. Yeah. Um, I I could totally feel a lot of it. <laughs> like I think the opening... Uh, Smack. The, yeah, they get yeah. smacked onto the carpet and then dragged around on the carpet. Oh, um and if my brother's listening, yeah, I've still got the carpet burns. Uh, <laughs> I had a lot of that, and so I could feel it. Um, yeah, I th- do think that's where this th- this film really 
thrives is that you know this kind of portrayal of very angry boys that that don't really know how to express themselves and that's where skating comes into it and it's mm. a form of expression for them and um there's something quite sort of like lyrical about that and like the way they weave sort of through the through the roads and across you know these through these skate parks and that's their form of expression and it's great but um there is something so sad in this film and mm. it's it's really really affecting and um a lot of it is very understated and it's never really explained it's not sort of you know there's not some big reveal at the end that suddenly makes their life make sense in some way um, which is what I think Jonah Hill does really well in this film is is sort of layering those mm. subtleties of their emotion and sort of packing they're very them on complex of, characters yeah. aren't they and you do feel that, you, that that's they're so well established as characters as, uh, and you really feel that they are just trying to navigate the world and find their own place in it you know mm. I, I, I see what you mean about the sadness but I remember when watching it when it finished I felt so overjoyed and just overwhelmed by this portrait which I mean I didn't grow up skating in the 90s but it just felt so immersive and what I like is that I think I think it's different to other stories about sad teenage boys um, because in this film it felt like the main like force driving the film was something that they enjoyed and although like Stevie will like literally torture himself physically by you know drinking smoking falling on the ground all the time I felt like in Sonny Soldier's performance you can see that he's doing that because he gets such an incredible thrill out of like those brief moments where he gets recognition from the other guys and like when he masters a trick like that joy just it completely blew everything else away for me yeah um but it's nice that the film isn't just our oh, 90s kids will remember mm, this. No, um, yeah. It's not like, let's go, like, let's grab a beer and play Tony Hawk's. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think this film is uh, unafraid of taking its hits uh, thematically as well. And, and it's Jonah Hill not just going, I had a great childhood and this was the best part of it. It's him trying to navigate a roadmap into nostalgia um, for a period of his life that perhaps didn't have all the pros that maybe he initially might think back on it having. Um, well, he said he said that he primarily said it in the 90s so that the characters would not have cell phones. Mm. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> he said that that was the, one of the main reasons he said it in the 90s. And he wasn't looking for that nostalgic sort of mm. feel of the 90s. It was literally just like, you know, when we didn't have cell phones, what were we doing? You know, how yeah. did we combat boredom? Well, yeah, I think yeah. He's, he said that this is uh, in terms of those, those skate videos that everyone was making in that period. These, yeah. the, this mm. film is made of the conversations that happened between the tricks. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, if you want to see those conversations, mid 90s is out this week and well worth uh, checking out. Uh, now it is time to move from skating boards to treading them as we talk to uh, Jesse Buckley about Wild Rose. This is the story of a young Glaswegian mother who dreams of lighting up the country music bars of Nashville. Uh, Ella, you were lucky enough to talk to her about this one. I was indeed. Um, yes, it was great to talk to Jesse Buckley. She plays a, a rising star in this film, uh, like a, a Glaswegian singer with itchy feet who just dreams of Nashville. Um, we spoke about country music, how that completely infiltrated her own Spotify playlist. She gave us some recommendations. Um, talked about her roles, like what attracted her to this one, and but also previously to Beast, which she was in last year, which is such a different film. Uh, but yeah, she was a delight to talk to. Okay, here we are. Here's uh, Ella and Jesse Buckley. Hello, Jesse Buckley. Thank you for joining us on the Curzon Film Podcast. We are here today to talk about your new film, Wild Rose, uh, which follows a young woman, Rose Lynn, 
in Glasgow who dreams of being a country star in Nashville. Uh, so first of all, congratulations. I really love the film. And I wanted to ask about your own relationship with country music before the film and maybe how that's evolved as you've played the part now. <laughs> uh, well, I think like my um, initial relationship with country music was kind of slightly um, uh, naff Daniel O'Donnell impersonations in my hometown in Kerry. So uh, that was my initial experience of it. And then when I found it again with like getting ready for the film and working with um, amazing musicians like Neil McCall and um, Jack Arnold, who was a music supervisor, and, and Nicole's like incredible like back backlog and and wealth of country music. I just felt completely and utterly in love with it, and I'm a fully converted country music fan now. It's all that's really on my Spotify. <laughs> Any artists in particular? <laughs> Um, well, Emmy Lou was kind of my uh, Emmy Lou Harris was kind of my first introduction to it, and I think "To Daddy" was the first song that I learned. Um, so I love love her. I was just listening to "Wrecking Ball" the other day, which is like an amazing album. Um, and then Bonnie Raitt, who's more like blues and country, came into my peripheral vision when we were preparing, and she's just been like my. I just love her. I love her voice. I went to see her live after we shot sh um, filming in in Nashville, and I kind of just cried the whole <laughs> the whole gig. I was like sitting beside all her friends, and on I was on my own, and they were like, "Who is this lonely girl wailing at Bonnie Raitt?" Um, and then I got to meet her afterwards, and I I don't think I even spoke to her. I was just like, "Oh my God, you are alive and amazing." <laughs> So past immersing yourself in that culture in Nashville and everything, as an Irish actress, how was it for you becoming a Glaswegian young woman? Um, terrifying. <laughs> I was like, they're either never going to let me back in here or they're going to open their arms to me. Um, but uh, I mean, I love Glasgow and I felt completely in love with the, with the city and the people are just like Gallus, as like uh, Sophie says in the script and, and just full of like this raw, unwielding, open-hearted energy. And and getting into the accent was like such a massive part for me. And I worked on it uh, a lot. And it was really kind of um, crucial to actually the kind of rhythm and tenacity uh, from which Rosalind comes from um so I basically like kind of based myself there for kind of a month before I started shooting and uh went around different shops asking for stuff in a Glaswegian accent and drinking a lot of whiskey and wearing white cowboy boots <laughs> it's very deep preparation <laughs> so Roslyn as a character she comes across as she's she's just so enjoyable to watch but there is also that depth as you say and I'm really interested in the way that the story's written because it's a sort of Cinderella story but there's no real kind of very easy happy ending and she tends to follow dreams that are usually allowed for men in films about music and no one really questions whether the characters should follow their dreams and they're not usually judged as much for that. How how do you think Rosalind's kind of different in that sense? Well, <clears throat> I think the thing that like, I mean, she's got an 
a really um, strong sense that this was her destiny. And um, and when I first read the script, it was like a prison break film for me about all these women who were breaking outside the confines of the four walls in which they were told they were allowed to dream in. So whether Susanna was told allowed to like, she was only allowed to exist within a domestic household or Rosalind was told that she, her her path in life was to become a Greg's worker and that was it. And um, to have such a strong sense of self and, 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 a, and a want for herself, you know, and to want something in your life is really scary and it takes a lot of balls and it makes, you've got to risk a bit of yourself in there and and that sometimes comes with a consequence, as we see with Rosalind, and she's kind of like blindly kind of running towards the f- the fire, um, which has uh, a consequence to her family and to herself. And and often these, you know, they can appear selfish, but they're not done without it being a struggle for her. You know, they they're not they don't the risk doesn't come easy to her. Yeah, so I think it's just whether you're a man or a woman, and I think this film people relate it, relate it, and they relate to that struggle because it is scary to want something mm. for yourself, and lots of people don't. Yeah, take that dream by the hand and walk it into hell, <laughs> you know, um, and she does, uh, and it's really inspiring and unnerving and provoking and um i've certainly learned a lot from her and she's really different to moll who you played in beast now these are two incredibly striking roles already but in really really different ways i wonder first of all if if there could possibly be any common thread between the two and if not what kind of things you'd be quite interested in looking at next um I I don't really I don't I don't really feel like there was anything common in in their stories um they're both coming from coming to the world in a different way um I suppose and I don't know if that's like within me or within the these characters that I am drawn to but there is a rebellion and um uh there's a, a, there's a growth you know um and i don't really have anything set in stone about what i'm looking for it's more what affects me in the moment when i read a script or if i feel like it's just new territory or it's a question that's asking me that i haven't really thought about in my own life or um I don't like to feel like it's water that I've treaded before. And if it is, I want to uncover something new and I want to uncover something new in myself in it. And I I want to meet a a character and a story every time and feel like they go away with a bit of me and I go away with a bit of them. And my, I'm always, I always feel changed after a job and I feel I never like people often ask, "Oh, how do you how do you let go of a character like Mal, or you know, is it tiring?" Or, and I don't want to let go. Like I feel like I've I've learned to look at the world in a different way through all these amazing, unique 
women's eyes and how lucky I am to be able to do that. Um, so, yeah. Excellent. Well, she's certainly inspired me and I look forward to seeing how much <laughs> oh, everyone else nice. decides to become a country singer next. <laughs> I'll see you. I'll see you there. <laughs> Jesse Buckley, thank you very much. Thank you. Us. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Uh, let, let's start with her, shall we? Because this is very much Jessie Buckley's film. Absolutely. She is... I mean, I love it when you can talk about an actor who is fairly early on in her screen career and just say already, she is an absolute star. Like, she lights up every shot that she's in. And, like, you know, it is a story about someone who has a dream and wants to follow it. And that can be inspiring or empowering or whatever other buzzword you want to use. But I think that story only lifts you up as an audience member who's got nothing to do with the story if your leading person is convincing and she just i don't know she's got this kind of charisma about her i i can't yeah. find words i'm just using lots of big hand gestures about <laughs> yeah. it. it's great for audio really <laughs> yeah. um caitlin you you have not seen beast so i mean this is like your early introduction yeah, to yeah I, I haven't seen beast but um i mean jesse buckley in this film is just She's so dynamic. She's she's. I think she gives a really raw performance as well in 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 lots of ways. And I think it's a film that could border into the more cheesy territory for people that aren't as kind of you know keen on that that angle of um, of cinema. But her charm and her skill just kind of you just breeze through this film with 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 such sort of joy in your in your heart. You know to watch her watch her live these dreams. And um, she's absolutely wonderful in this. And you mentioned it's a raw performance, which I think uh, is key to it and maybe will make people think differently about seeing this film if it's being advertised, as even I said, as a musical. <laughs> um, it's not really a musical. It just contains a lot of music. Um, but that's not to say it's not filled with quite bleak or bleak moments, um, quiet moments, uh, moments of introspection. Um, and that that's all within that performance because it has to tread that line between occasionally being Ken Loach, but then occasionally having to be La La Land. Absolutely. Um, and how do you find that both her her performance and the film kind of weaves between those parts. I think it's yeah, it's interesting to have that balance because so you've got her following her dream of being a singer and you know we've seen that story lots of times before but it's interesting first of all to set it in Glasgow like I haven't seen as many Cinderella stories in Glasgow. Um and then also she has just come out of prison and she is a mother of two young children and she has she's very close with her mother but to the extent that she like uses her to take care of her kids and 
she is this quite selfish character who's got a lot of responsibilities as well as the self-doubt. And I think usually when you see um, these young women usually fulfilling their dreams and going after them, you admire their ambition, but there's not usually anything else tethered to them. Oh, yeah. I mean, mm. let's think of Ali in The Star is Born. What did she have to do is leave her waitressing job. Yeah. Like that, yeah. That, and that's the big step. But then often, here... when you see stories about um, like men who want to follow their dreams or something, I mean, it's, it's like Jessie said, she says that often they won't then be called afterwards like, oh, he was a pretty bad dad or like, oh, he shouldn't have left her. It's like mm. he just They just do what they need to do. And she does in this film. And I think that was quite a new and really, um, like really stimulating thing to see. Yeah. And I think Julie Walters as well plays her mum. That both of them kind of they work so well. And I think it's a great, great performance from Julie Walters as well. Um, but they, they work really well together because they both have this space in the film to be quite messy characters, quite abrasive characters at times. They're not these kind of perfect people that, you know, perfect people don't exist. And this film really kind of allows them to, to you know, have their story be told in a way that's not glossing over the hard parts and, um, and you know, not making them out to be these really wonderful individuals that, you know, there's been trouble in their lives and they've done bad things and they've been selfish. And um, yeah, this film really kind of not champions that, but just allows them the space to breathe and, you know, to to do to do both. Yeah, I think Julie Waters has maybe in the last few years been kind of slotted into this just playing nice mums, nice mm. grandma type role. Um, but she gets a bit more meat here. Mm. Um, I think it's always quite maybe tough to process here that she's the she's Jesse Buckley's character's mother. Um, and you actually feel like some some anger, some resentment there mm. to what Rose left behind when she went to prison and what she kind of left to Julie Waters' character. Um, mm. And it yeah, makes their in, their relationship really interesting. Um, occasionally, I do think the film struggles with having to shift from moments like reflecting on that relationship to moments where Rose is singing along to her iPod uh, <laughs> and then imagines a band around her and you get these magic realism moments that are wonderful. Um, uh, like some of the music video sections of Sing Street, for instance, mm. where uh, suddenly you've got this top of the pops aesthetic pops out of nowhere. Um, yeah, and I, is, I really love those moments, yeah. but it, occasionally it's trying to... Uh, this is what I mean the by the, the the more cheesy angle, I suppose, that some people, that's you know, it's not necessarily going to sit with some people. Um, but I think this comes back to Jessie Buckley being so charming and her voice as well is incredible. Mm. I think her actual performance skills really make it hard to not be totally absorbed in her singing and there are some moments where she's you know you know on stage wherever it is if it's the the Glasgow Opry or you know a, a bar in Nashville it's yeah she's her performance skills are just are just so so rich but th- like that to compliment her again <laughs> it's like it's performance within performance you can totally mm. tell her her identity and her musical uh, ability yeah. is astonishing mm. in yeah. this film and she totally she can we can shift and see her take on this country music star persona that she's got together so well that moment as she said when she sneaks in and mm. does the song uh it's it's really great um and i know that that people at various events have been treated to live performances mm. uh, with her as Rose, which I imagine if must be fantastic. If there are any of those coming up again, to <laughs> anyone listening, can I come, yeah. please? <laughs> Send us along. <laughs> yeah, um, I, yeah. You, you mentioned these these little cheesy moments. Uh, there's a lot of the uh, kind of 
OC style. This is my listening to music face. Would like to add that I love the OC. <laughs> okay, so one for OC, OC fans. One for OC fans. Um, but just like slowly zooming into someone's face because they're so into the music. <laughs> Bloody loves country music, don't you, Jake? Oh, oh yeah, I really truth, do. Jake. It really is. Um, yeah, if. If anyone um, wants a country music recommendation, one of my I have a Spotify playlist called All Timers, um, <laughs> and I've copied into there a long time ago. Uh, like, if you don't like a stronger name, album, and artist name for country music, a guy called Doug Paisley, with his album Strong Feelings. Oh um, my god! If I my love brother's him. listening to this. Yeah. He will love that recommendation. Yeah, uh, Gosh. do recommend anyone who's enjoyed Wild Rose. Have a listen to Strong Feelings by Doug Paisley. Uh, it will, suffice to say, live up to its title. Um, so we, we maybe talked about the film being a bit, bit fluffy at times or maybe a bit grey at times. Um, but there are there are these little uh, intricate moments uh, of directorial flourish that kind of sit in the background and where you can see that really how much the film has been thought about and has been a has been a passion project uh, for Tom Harper, the director, and Nicole Taylor, the writer of the film. Like little bits where... They've thought about the art direction, like that Roselyn's flat, just uh, the tiling mixed with the, the the tiling in the kitchen and the color of the curtains put together become a red, white, and blue American flag. And this is the same <laughs> same as uh, her her plates as well. And it's it's not screaming at you. It's not going symbolism or anything like that. There are no so coincidences like, in in this world. Exactly. Um, but it's just this idea of. Uh, her her world seeping into mm. the outside world. It's as like well. a character that's always meant to have this path and kind of, you know, there's a there's a, a destiny almost there to be, you know, yeah. a little over the top. But, you know, there is and that's that's part of the joy of it, I think. The, the, for me, the I whilst I love the bits of the performance, I love her, the the story I think is very familiar. Um like the core beats of it uh, aren't gonna really surprise anyone, but I think maybe for a lot of people that's gonna be a nice thing as well. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. this is um in some ways a challenging watch but really it's relatively easy to go along with yeah the film it is a bit predictable in that there is the same idea of this person following their dreams but then naturally this young lady has got a husband who's threatening in the background like this you didn't need that like this film just had so many things within it like both from a writing perspective and directing and we've said it enough times jesse buckley um like keep the husband you know you don't need him in this film i think it would fly much higher without him yeah um the film doesn't really need its men absolutely it's, not. it's writing um fine without them uh and it's also got the best use of the word gumption since the holiday uh and it's been i think 14 years since that film so it's good to have it back uh who do we think, like, what are fans of other films going to find in this one? I think this is one that harks back to a sort of earlier age of British cinema where you're looking at films like The Full Monty and Billy Elliot and even something like Kinky Boots. Like, to me, that's where this film slots in. And there's something so wonderful about just the utter charm and joy of of those films. Um, and, yeah, just, just a, a very feel-good kind of film with the the hints of the kitchen kitchen sink drama you know um thrown in a bit as well so yeah something something along those lines from a bit of an earlier time in british cinema all right um so we put a call out on uh twitter this week going back to our mid-90s chat to briefly talk about some of uh our twitter followers favorite films that take them back to the 90s uh and as well as a few of our own uh so uh gem dollar said clueless which i think is oh yeah fantastic um 
and our very own Sam Howlett mentioned uh, The Witches, uh, which is getting its own uh, remake from Robert. Welcome to Marwen Zemeckis. Oh my goodness <laughs> uh, me! And oh, I'm always happy to hear that Robert Zemeckis <laughs> is making a film. Uh, it's going to be a nightmare and I can't wait. Um, film fan Stevie has said The Big Lebowski. Just right at the end totally. of the 90s there, but mm-hmm. definitely. It still counts. Yeah, mm-hmm. it does. Um, well, I'll take one from the earlier period in the decade. For me, uh, as soon as I knew this was something we'd be talking about, I just jumped straight to Wayne's World. Uh, Excellent shout. Yeah, that, that just is that decade to me, mm-hmm. even though it's a film that relies on characters that are living in the <laughs> two decades behind it. Uh, but... Yeah, oh, a, a perfect film, I'm sure, and not uh, it's not aged at all. All right, uh, so that that's mid '90s uh, and Wild Rose, uh, but it's not the only thing that you can see uh, in cinemas this week. If you don't fancy heading out to the cinema, you can always stay in and watch Curzon Home Cinema, of course, where we've got tons of films on demand. New this week is Rafiki, which I haven't had the chance to see yet. Ella, you have? Mm-hmm, I have. Do seek it out. Um, yeah, Rafiki is this wonderful, sweet romance um, set in Kenya. It's a story between um, two young women who fall in love with each other. And interestingly, at first, this film was banned in Kenya because um, it was said to be promoting lesbian content, which was not allowed. Since then, the ban's been lifted. It's uh, all of the you know people who have seen it have been really, really taken with it. Um, so yeah, really excited for that to come out here finally. Great. Um, and I've selected a couple of films that are maybe ones uh, for the Wild Rose fans out there who are looking to continue that um, kind of magic realist musical British thread. Uh, Sing Street and Frank, which uh, I think we're with some fans of in here Excellent as well. Choices. Yeah, I bloody love Sing Street. Oh, it's so good. I'm going to watch it this is, What I love about Sing Street is that like, it's school kids making a band and then they start and then they're great. They so they're just do great. They <laughs> Nothing goes wrong because yeah. they deserve the world. Yes, they really do. Oh, they're brilliant. Okay. Um, if you've got any thoughts on Wild Rose or mid 90s, then uh, do email us at podcast.curzon.com. We'd love to hear your thoughts on these ones. Uh, and you can tweet us the old fashioned way if you like. Uh, that's at Curzon Cinemas, where we can also uh, look forward to some of your thoughts as well as our call out for next week's episode. If it's your first time listening to the show, uh, please subscribe. You can do that on iTunes, Acar, Spotify, wherever you get your pods. Uh, and when you're there, if you could leave us a review or a comment, that would be absolutely wonderful. Uh, if you want to keep up with all of us uh, on social media, you can do so. Caitlin, you're on Twitter. I am. You can follow me at CSA Quinlan. I am at EFE Kemp. KS underscore Powell. Lovely. Uh, and I'm at Jake H. Cunningham. Thank you so much for listening. It's been a pleasure having you. Having you? <laughs> smoke weed in it. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, yeah. For sure, yeah. <laughs> I was like totally affected this podcast. <laughs> it's all this secondhand smoke. It's been a pleasure having you with us. Farewell. He's gonna keep all of that. Yeah. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health 
right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.